welcome to A Swap in Joysticks, your home for everything gaming and streaming, often with an LGBT twist. I'm Ben Ostwick and joined, as always, by Eurogamer's Ed Nightingale. Hi, Ben. Hello. Um, today we have a very special guest with us for a chat, though. He is the voice of Kate Sith in the newly released Final Fantasy VII Rebirth game. Please welcome Paul Tinto. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Pleasure is all mine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we say newly released because yeah, this is going out actually on the day it's out. So it's out today. Um, uh, go play it. Go play it after you've read Ed's review, which is available on Eurogamer.net. Sure. So, <laughs> yes, please do that. <laughs> um, but Paul, first, like we, we met you at the Final Fantasy Union quiz um, a few weeks ago. It was really good yes. to see you there. Oh man, it was it was an honour to be there. I had an absolute blast being at that. Uh, that was my first sort of, that was my first sort of dive at all into any kind of uh, Final Fantasy sort of fandom kind of thing. But it was man, what a great night! Some of the questions, I mean, the, the, I was already aware that there were going to be experts on Final Fantasy way more than I, which wouldn't be hard, but. Man, some of those questions were in depth. I was, I was blown, I was blown away. Very much. How did your team do? You did pretty well. I think we, I think the choker, the chocobos, chocobos, chocobos. Shout out! I think they were. I think there was like four or five teams that were like all within like four or five points of being within the top two, and I think they were one of them. I think chocobos were one of them. We had a player that won a previous. Uh, previous pub quiz, a previous um, uh, one of version of these, and or at least one. So he was he was pretty hot on it. There were a few really, really sort of well, well, well versed players in there. Um, so it was it was a strong team. Gutted we couldn't bring it home, but <laughs> always next time. Our team definitely. Well, my team definitely. We were not. We were there. It was me and the cosplayers, and the cosplayers were there to look great, and that is what and they, they did. did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, if you're watching this, I apologise. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll admit as much that we we were quite lucky not to come last. I think. <laughs> what was your team's name? Ixion was it? Ixion. Yes. Yes. Which Ixion. I apparently is from Final Fantasy X, which is the first game I finished in the Final Fantasy series and absolutely adore. But I don't remember it because I was I played it at release, which was like 2001. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So. Yeah. My yeah. team was was Atmos. Which is based on Final Fantasy. All that character summon is from Final Fantasy V, which is pretty much the only one I haven't played. So, well done. Yeah, I think we did pretty well, but I think that was also down to me being incredibly competitive and like screaming at them, like, "What are the answers?" Um, would you say? Would you say you were one of the the strongest in your team? Not to brag. Well, but... I wouldn't go that far. Definitely I mean, competitive person. <laughs> in no, I'm definitely competitive. I think, I mean, I write news for a living. So there were definitely a few questions. I was like, oh, I wrote a news story on that. Like, yeah, I know yeah. that answer. Um, I think it's funny they only announced the top two because I think every other team is like, well, we came third because we yeah, don't actually yeah, know. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. I, which I'm a fan of. If everyone can walk out of that room believing they came, they came away with a bronze, fair play. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you, did, you played a really good part of that. You were rolling dice, die, rolling, rolling, die, rolling, die, rolling a die. Yeah, yeah. Kate Seth and Kate Seth living it, uh, living it up. There was a few very unlucky rolls in that he wasn't. Um, Kate Seth Fortune rolling was not was sadly not on form. I don't think it did everyone many favours, but <laughs> yeah, it was a great night. <laughs> I remember one point, I, all I heard was like, oh, if we, if you roll a certain number, it was double points. And then we couldn't hear because we were like behind. And then there was a roll. And then I heard, 
Let's roll it again. <laughs> yeah, 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 failed again. I think yeah. all I had to do was hit an even number and I hit something like a five and a three. And uh, they were like, nah, you get double points anyway. Okay. Dollar <laughs> <laughs> <all> fix. <laughs> so, yeah. how have you been feeling in the run up to launch? Have you been excited for launch day? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's, it's been an absolute whirlwind, um, to be honest. And I mean, really, really exciting. And I think, as I say, this is my uh, this is my first kind of experience, and this is my first experience in uh, in voicing voicing in a game. I knew of Final Fantasy growing up, but I didn't. It wasn't a game that I played, so this was all very, very new territory to me, which I've learned as I've gone along. But I think. For me, the last part of that sort of, or, or the journey so far with that experience, the last bit of that has been um, from learning the game, the story, the character and all the rest of it, then to just learning the audience and the audience and the family among it has been kind of one of the most sort of exhilarating parts of the experience. There just seems to be obviously so much love for the game, but also kind of just so much generosity around it as well. I think obviously everyone wants, you know, everyone wants you to enjoy it. Everyone wants to have the best game possible. And it just seems like a really, really welcoming, really welcoming and warm community where everyone's just loving Final Fantasy. And it it just feels great to be a part of. (laughs) Are you able to sort of enjoy it now that, you know, the work is done, the game is, you know, obviously out now, um, are you able to just sort of revel and, and enjoy that you were in that? Yeah, I, to an extent, I wish I wish I could more. There's a, I think, I think for lots of actors, there's two different sort of types of. I don't know if there's two categories you fall into, but I think for some people, they really really enjoy the process, and then all the panic comes when it's about to come out and uh, and you've got no control some people are panicking the entire way through and then have maybe sort of like come to peace with it by <laughs> by game time i think for me this was definitely in in the former where i loved the process and loved working with uh Kirk, our director and and ben and ryan the this uh, translator and the script editors and script supervisors and then it was kind of only after that when I started to appreciate, not that I sort of didn't know like how well in love the game was before, but suddenly just kind of being brought into it, suddenly you start to feel that kind of weight of responsibility again. And and it was kind of, I finished recording it at the in the first first few months of 2023. So it's, I've had kind of had some time away from it. Now you're coming back to it. And I'm only seeing what anyone else is seeing on on trailers and stuff you know it's not as if I've had like a, a cut preview where I can kind of watch back my work again I'm kind of like remembering it as well and thinking oh yeah I remember that day it's like oh okay I hope I hope my choices work <laughs> you know so all of the anxiety which maybe some people would have when they're when they're doing it I think I kind of sometimes get that in retrospect purely out of just obviously wanting people to enjoy the game and to do it service I think that's what it is it's because once you start to learn how well how well loved the game is and this game in particular of course you want to do it justice for everyone <laughs> and so as yeah so it's it's a balancing act i'm really excited for it but i would lie if obviously there's not a little bit of apprehension of just thinking i hope i've done everyone proud you know <laughs> i'm sure you have well i know you have 
I, yeah, you I finished it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got to your part yet, so I swear, because I'm, yeah, now I'm going to go and play it. And I don't think I'm too far away from your part, so I'm going to get to it and go, oh, there's Paul. <laughs> now I can. Although I did hear you at the Final Fantasy Union quiz, you did do the voice for Fin- Rolling the Dice. That seemed to go down well, so fingers crossed. Yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> I should have said as well, we're not spoiling anything here, so there yeah. will be no story spoilers just for anyone listening. Yeah, yeah and and for me. And run for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. So you said this is your your first gaming role. I mean, this is quite a big one to jump into. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's I had um, up until now, my career had been theatre, TV, and film. And then come like 2020, I started doing voiceovers, but that was mainly for commercials, like the odd little kind of like character bit in a in our podcasts or or whatever but gaming it was never something i'd kind of delved delved into at all and so when the edition came through it was a it was it was just a blanket edition that came through it wasn't sort of um someone seeking me out in particular it just it came through from my agent and said hey it's one for the guys read below see if you're interested and then you kind of I scanned it and and the like final final fantasy was on the email which is interesting because i think having listened to interviews of some of the other actors i think it was it it wasn't and they could maybe figure that out from if they were gamers in the first place or whatever but they were keeping it really really under wraps and by the time it came to me they'd sort of they were saying but i think partly that was maybe the case because they had to give reference they had reference footage for you to watch anyway so like you weren't going to keep it a secret, I guess. Mm. But it, yeah, it came through. They had a clip from Kate Sith in a in a previous, in one of the more recent previous iterations in uh, in Dirge. I always forget the second name of this title. Dirge of Cerberus. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So there was a clip. There was a clip in there, and they had said that they were looking to try and match or be very, very close to what had already been created. And so they'd given a clip of that. They'd also given a clip of the Japanese um, for us to be as a reference point as well. Um, and so I already How knew... How helpful was that? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, weirdly, I think for Kate Seth, there was... I mean, I've not listened to the Japanese of any of the other characters, so I don't really have anything else to reference this of. But I think... Where it possibly was useful is you could get you could get an idea of obviously if you weren't sure of what energy they were looking for <laughs> come from the from the English version the English speaking version I was watching you were definitely going to get it from the Japanese because <laughs> that's kind of that sort of sometimes flies off the Richter scale on it's just a very very different you know it's sometimes it's a very very different sort of tone and style so I think. <clears throat> I kind of got something with the energy in that, but obviously you can't start copying the intonation, even if I knew what it what it was that they were saying. Um, it was only useful as far as it kind of clarifies what you were already seeing. Like, okay, yeah, he's he's seems to be up here. He's boisterous. He's got a certain level of energy about him, and um, and and then yeah. So, so I guess what was useful with that is you knew that instead of just going in with a blank page, which is sometimes in like TV or film editions, they don't give you any reference. So you're just kind of shooting into the dark and you take your interpretation and then you might not hear back because it was wildly off what they were looking for. And 
you know, surprise, surprise, because you, know, you don't didn't have a reference point. At least with this, I knew the framework that I was kind of, I was looking at. But I just kind of, yeah, I did it. I sent a couple of takes away. And then I think it was like a month later, I was rehearsing a play in Manchester. So that was like October, I think, I auditioned in Manchester. I was rehearsing a play and uh, I got a call saying they want to see you again. Is there a chance of getting out of rehearsal for a morning to go to a studio in Manchester to call in with the producers and stuff? And and then, so that was November. I think I found out in December or late November I'd gotten the job and then I started recording in January. So it was it was pretty rapid considering some of the other players or some of the other actors I've heard, you know, been here for months and they were so far back in the process of casting. I think this was quite fast yeah. in comparison. I guess they'd already cast the other characters in sort of for remake. So this is kind yeah. of an addition for the new game. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was completely it was completely new to me. And I didn't I made the choice early on to deliberately not uh go googling to find everyone's sort of opinion and interpretation on on the character just because i knew that that would probably just fuel my uh my anxiety or you know or whatever it would probably just sort of not be helpful and when i'd gotten the job it's like okay so they you know whatever i was doing that's kind of where they want to pitch it and that's where they want to kind of play it so i kind of went along with that and so all of my kind of research so to speak was more done in the room with the director uh kirk and the and the script editors who were bringing me into the context of the story as as it went along um i mean and also i think because kate seth because of the character he is and he kind of comes out of nowhere as a bit as a bit of an anomaly the, the opportunity to kind of do some of the research that you might do for some of the other characters in terms of backstory isn't the, like isn't there in the same way um, not to kind of sort of give everything away but let's take in the fact that he's a, he's an AI robot you know or like a robot cat to begin with he's like where he came from has always been a bit of a you know a mystery um, or whatever so the approach to that it's not like I could do the research in the same way that I might do with another character where it might be what's his relationship with this character been up until this point what's it been like with that so it was more when we went along we would sort of you know you have a bit of dialogue with Barrett and that's when I would sort of learn sort of what the dynamic is between these two or whatever is does does Barrett trust Kate you know is, is Kate intimidated by Barrett and you know you just look at the and so you're dealing with everything more in the I guess very much in the present the present moment and the, with the present line rather than kind of um having made all these decisions and you know beforehand i guess mm. with prep so yeah. were you kind of familiar at all with final fantasy or was this literally just going in completely cold it was completely cold i, I as i say i knew the game uh, i knew the game it wasn't one i played when i was growing up i had uh, um I had a sort of a brief sort of PlayStation spell and I was sort of more into sort of Medal of Honor and Tekken. Uh, I think those were the two that I'd sort of... I love Medal of Honor. That was great. <laughs> Rising Sun was one of my favorites. And then I sort of I get like six out of tens. I'm like, what? It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. oh man, I was, I was a huge Medal of Honor fan. Um, however, my first... <laughs> I was thinking about this today, thinking, trying to think back my experiences of, of working with game consoles. So my very, very first game console was 
it was more because my brothers had it, and so it was more like a hand-me-down, but it was an Amstrad. Oh, wow. <laughs> a lot of sugar. <laughs> I don't know if you want to sort of give away your ages, but did you have you ever played, did you ever play an Amstrad? Or I never, ever, I think I've, I think I've seen one that a friend's dad had. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've ever played one. I obviously know of it, but I don't yeah. think I've ever actually played one. I mean, it's funny because when I started thinking it, because when I looked at the title of the podcast and my my memory of like a joystick is like a proper old school, like two like <laughs> two yeah. button joystick like that. I'm just sort of like just like shaking it back and forward because that's the only way you can seem to sort of like get your character to move faster on this like block by block graphic of I don't know Indiana Jones running along a wall in two D and you're there just going like putting <laughs> 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 a floppy disk run disk C colon slash whatever let the game start up and uh and there was this game called gauntlet which mm. if if anyone is if any of your listeners have ever heard of uh, the game gauntlet i would love to know if that game just went on forever or if anyone ever actually <laughs> made it to the last level as far as i'm concerned it might have just regenerated because we go up to like level 120 mm. 130 and we leave the computer on overnight <laughs> just so we come back and play it <laughs> i feel like gauntlet's featured in ready player one Maybe. Yeah, at least in the book anyway, because I haven't seen it. This is familiar. Yeah, that's like, if you ever want some kind of nostalgia of old games, that book's the the way to go. I know you're not a fan, are you? Yeah, it was right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I went from Amstrad and then missed missed everything Sega and Nintendo and then jumped into PlayStation 1 about, yeah, 10 years later. But um, but yeah, so Final Fantasy wasn't like I knew of the game. I think I had some friends that played the game, but it I didn't know anything about the world. And I I looked I watched some clips of it in in prep. Again, not many because I didn't want to disappear down a rabbit hole of kind of of things that would eventually I knew I was going to end up on kind of opinion websites and stuff if I wasn't careful. Mm-hmm. And and but but no, I learned I learned everything purely from uh, from our director and the team I was working with every day, which are they, which I'm glad of because they were who I was going to be putting all of my trust in anyway. And a lot of the stuff, they might tell you where you are. Like you, they might tell you you're in the, right, we're in the golden saucer right now. You, you can know about that, but context wise, there might be loads of stuff that you don't know. Mm. Any, you know <laughs> Um, it's useful when you start sort of I guess he does have an he does like Kate Seth does have an opinion about Sephiroth for example and so those things you start to learn like okay here are this, the, the bones and the structure of this story and everything but no it was a completely this world is sort of like it's opened up with you know two massive doors and it's just and it's not closed i'm like whoa what is this and it keeps growing that's why i kind of couldn't get my head around just the size and the scale of the world like it's it's, massive it's a massive game as well like it's massive yeah i know long i'm like i'm about nearly 20 hours in and you think i'm about well i'm on like chapter four or something it took me about 60 odd hours i think to get through it so it's a lot of time and you didn't 100 percent it did you no I mean, but I suppose, I don't think it's any surprise now that sort of films are looking to games for IP, whereas like like 20 years ago, it used to be the other way around, you know, so like GoldenEye, for example, or, mm. or games yeah. that were from films, and that's how you had a successful franchise. But now 
it, uh, yeah, it's no surprise at all that it's it's flipped because the backstories in the worlds are all there in sort of in token size scale and it, and it's inc like it's incredible. Like my hat off to to the writers and the developers for everything because it's amazing. <laughs> you hinted earlier like about the fandom and like how big is becoming um have you done anything to prepare yourself i saw you've got a new twitter account uh is this your first time on twitter or i know I, I mean i was never I had, a tw I, like, I had twitter ages ago and then it came off i never used it, it was always just on instagram and then someone had said like someone had said to me that sort of um twitter is still kind of where lots of um gamers will land to to sort of to look for things and, and all of that so i thought okay cool uh, i felt like i had more of a reason to yeah I had more of a reason to use it now rather than before where it was just this kind of arbitrary thing of getting sort of either caught up in discourse that I wasn't necessarily interested in or just kind of a, a numbers game of of counting followers because that's what you're told you should be doing in this day and age as an actor. So I kind of ditched it. But then once I had a, I felt like I had an active reason to go onto it to sort of happily promote this game and and be more a part of the world it's become more useful i think actually for me now so i'm like okay cool so like jump on to jump onto twitter and see what <laughs> yeah do you, have, do you have positivity on there have you got like one of these weird experiences where what? people are generally positive positivity on twitter <laughs> what? Maybe, maybe it's the camp before the storm and i was just uh, maybe once the game comes out the barrage <laughs> Wait, not my case it? <laughs> um, but I, I have so far I have and uh, there's and also I've just come across I've come across some people who are obviously fans but um, uh, interact with the game in a, in a really really amazing way um, like I've started watching uh, this guy uh, I can't I think it's MJ uh, MJ Gallagher this, um, <clears throat> this Scottish guy who's who's written books on Norse and Greek mythology and folklore and how that's kind of been interwoven and linked and how it connects into the Final Fantasy world and that kind of stuff I find absolutely fascinating. Um, and so, so yeah, I've, I, so far I've had a really, really nice experience with my reintroduction back into Twitter. So <laughs> Touch wood. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. like, <laughs> it's early have you had any advice as well from the other actors in the game? Because I guess they probably got to know each other doing remake. And so now, you know, I hope they've been sort of welcoming to you and you've been able to meet them, maybe. I mean, I've not, I've not had, I've, I've met a few, I've met a few of the actors, but only, it was only like during recording um, when, so to answer your question, like I've not, not had that much chat with, with many of the actors yeah, I'm going to be seeing, or I have seen by the time this comes out, um, this weekend I'm at CoopaCon. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think uh, John uh, or Eric Bentley is going to be there and Caleb Pierce. Um, and I can't remember who else is there. But that's going, that's, that's going to be the first time I've actually met anyone um, apart from... Uh, well, I met Paul Castro Jr., who I did a podcast with, and he had a small part. <clears throat> he had a, a part in the game. So I was chatting to him about it. But in terms of like the leads that have sort of followed through in the same way that all all the things that I do, um, I've not actually chatted to anyone uh, in like in in the run up to it. The only time I met I met Cody and I met Brianna briefly. I was in LA 
at one point and I thought I'd go into the studio just to sort of say hello because I'd never actually met Kirk the director or the engineers face to face the studio engineers Justin and Martin um I recorded the entire thing from Glasgow so it was always just over it was done remotely and uh so I got to LA I went to say hello and like I met Cody briefly once he was just coming out of a session really really nice guy um and Bree as well also lovely and uh but no it's like It'd be great to sort of chat to them more, sort of like now the mm. whole thing's done. I think when I saw them before, it was midway through, <clears throat> midway through recording. You, they're just kind of coming out of a normal working day. I'm kind of sort of in holiday mode in LA. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we just had an interview with um, Paul, uh, sorry, Peter Bramhill and Colin Ryan, who do uh, Thank Red and Alfino in Final Fantasy fourteen and. They were saying that they only met, and they're part of the Scions, which is like the main kind of team um, in the game. And they they've been doing it since they've been voicing it since Heaven's Ward, which was 2015. And they said that they only quite recently actually all met up, and it was thanks to I think it was thanks to Kupocon, um where they all met. And these conferences are the ones where other things where yeah, that's actually the only time they really meet because they do their recordings in separate places. Mm. Yeah, and that's the reality. But and it's the same re- reality of films as well, film and TV. Often, the only time you actually see some of the people that have been in the the same project is at a, a premiere or whatever. Um, because the yeah, the reality for me was in a studio in Glasgow with my engineer uh, there, and on 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 call with uh, between LA and Tokyo, where the script editors <laughs> were. So it was it's quite. Uh, it's not like it was it's never a lonely experience I had a great time but it's yeah completely sort of isolated from from everyone else I have heard of stories where people are actually some directors try to record people like have two actors in the booth and stuff I have heard of that before which sounds incredible and amazing I'd love to do that but logistically I think a lot harder um, to to pull off especially with everyone's schedules and if you're filming something else or if you're doing another job and that was the other tricky thing with this because it was always just it was always just rolling they would have we would record for maybe like five or six days over a month once they had these scripts ready and then maybe i'd wait two months new scripts would become available but then suddenly i'm on set for something so they're waiting for my availability and then they're waiting for my recording studio's availability if they're booked up and stuff and then I decide to come to LA and I'm going to record here. And they say, no, we can't because you're on a UK contract. So <laughs> get back over the pond so we can start recording again. As lovely as it is to see you. Enjoy your holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your holiday. But if you please just go back over to Glasgow, that would really help out. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah, it's interesting because you were saying that, uh, yeah, I can't imagine how it would be if you were with somebody else and doing the voice lines because aren't you based... Isn't your like the time that you are doing the voice lines based on the Japanese uh, acting? Because we were speaking to Ben Starr, and he was like, he he was the you know the face of uh, Clive, and he's the one that kind of sets the the actions for the character, and then everybody else has to dub over his. Was it the same with you? Yes, I mean, so, so yeah. on that, yeah, on that point. So I don't think ever working with two actors in the same booth would work for a game like Fire Fantasy because that is how it's happening. I think if you're developing the game in English first of all, then great. But yeah, I was matching, um, I was matching all of my stuff to 
the Japanese performance. So you listen, so you, you've got you've got your line, and like you read it and like, okay, cool, that's the line, and then I'll hear two takes of the Japanese, and I'm kind of counting how many seconds that is in my head, and then go for three takes trying to match it. Sometimes they say they can be like a little bit over but by we're talking like milliseconds when we're doing like five you know like an ounce of a frame or whatever it's it's more pretty fine margins so um and to be honest it'd be interesting to i guess in some ways that would be obviously really freeing for ben like there's people interpret it the way the way it is and that's great but there was something kind of I didn't mind having to sort of work in the way where you're just trying to fit it into that time length because again it gives you a it gives you a it gives you your box that you have to work in it gives you your constriction and sometimes it's hard because maybe the translation in English is much longer than what it is in Japanese or vice versa sometimes you're trying to pad it out um, and sort of <laughs> <laughs> throwing in a few words or stretching out a word just to try and make it <clears throat> make it fit but like I like to kind of have, I like the the fact that I had a framework to work in. However, I'm sure Ben had a great time for everyone just to be <laughs> following his lead. <laughs> yeah, it's it like a real skill to yeah, do that. Yeah, it sounds very technical. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, really, really technical. And and some sometimes you have the visual as well. They have a version of the visual, and might not it's not going to be completely brushed up. But you've got something to look at, and maybe you are trying to match a word to an arm movement or match it to a gesture that they're doing um which can be tricky in its own in its own way because sometimes it just doesn't work and you really want to try and make it work but it doesn't fit and other times you're just yeah you're just trying to sort of it's kind of like actor karaoke you're just sort of trying to sort of like land the words whilst not getting caught up in the japanese intonation which is an easy trap to fall into you know you you hit their picture you start going up in the same sort of inflections and you realize it's you've they are just in a different plane and uh, you've kind of gone off what you were doing but yeah it is technical but then also again if you can sort of enjoy working within those that what what you've got to work in you've got your box I think everyone works differently I would always try and just give three different takes you know so it, I mean, it works most fast as well. So you you hear it twice and then you're not sort of sitting discussing each line for five minutes. You know, once you've done it, you're like, cool, all right, next line, right? Yeah, we're in the same place. This follows on. Or they say, Clouds just said to you, blah, blah, blah. And this is what you say in response. Okay. And then like really, really fast. I'm just thinking, how could I say that in three different ways or whatever? And then kind of, instead of trying to decide this is a perfect way to say it and then try and perfect that for to two or three other takes when it might not be when it might not be the right way to say it mm. i would rather sort of throw something out into the like throw something out there and then they can choose the version they want and uh at least that's how i enjoy doing it. i think everyone has their own has their own version um there was when i went to la kirk was nice enough to let me sit in in a session i could watch one of the other actors um recording and uh, it was really interesting to watch because they are, it may have been, even, it may have been Brianna, I can't remember, but the lines she was recording were all quite sort of, um, they were fairly intimate or it was quite close to the mic. It was just really, really, really casual. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
man like i'm so <laughs> recordings i'm sort of i'm sort of like five feet back from the mic and and sort of like giving it loudly um i'm thinking am i massively overplaying everything <laughs> well even Kate said i don't i've no, I'm on a different game <laughs> yeah i've not finished uh i've not approached Kate Sith, but i don't know if there are any intimate moments with Kate Sith. i mean not with kate sith okay, but i mean yeah. <laughs> he's definitely a very you know he's comic relief and he's a very eccentric character which i imagine yeah. must be a lot of fun to play it is, yeah. And it was something that, like, so within that, I think I had to sort of buy into the fact that I, that's what I was, like, th that was my role within it. It doesn't help if everyone is on the same dynamic, on the same plane. And uh, and so I was kind of, there was a part of me which was cautious about, uh, I was slightly cautious about not making the, trying not to make the, the character too st too stereotypically Scottish. I was kind of, I had half an ear on trying to be sort of um, reverential to Scottish gamers that would play this and have grown up hearing either bad Scottish accents or comedy Scottish accents that are just kind of very, very cliche. And And the weird thing was that I knew that I was kind of, I was on that plane anyway because they'd already said, this is this is where he's at. And so we know, like, even listening to the voice before, I was like, okay, so I know his voice kind of is bouncing around up here and stuff, and that's that's kind of what it has to be. But within that, I'm thinking, okay, but try and try and keep it grounded because the last thing I want are Scottish gamers that are thinking, oh, not again. <laughs> Another Shrek, here we go. And so, it's, so I was had, like, I had a fine line with that, but it was great. Like it was fun to play something that I would never normally. Um, I would never normally play a character like that. Definitely not on screen. And having that kind of, I I don't think there's. He feels very very different from all of the other characters, which is fun to play knowing that how you throw a line is going to be in complete contrast to the reply or he's just he's just a bit of a live wire so i think once i kind of gave into that and trusted they were happy and this is the energy that they wanted and we're like cool all right let's let's go with that i knew that they would bring me down if if i needed to sort of like come down a bit there were times when i would do one take and fly into like a falsetto of a range and they'd be like yeah okay cool we're let's let's go with that um there was a couple of moments when he was allowed a little bit of sort of more grounded intimacy and i i enjoyed i enjoyed playing them having sort of once you get used to sort of doing being very very high octane energy and sort of laugh a minute or this kind of on the surface clown which i think there's more to him underneath but that's you're not playing that necessarily there was a couple of times i remember sort of more serious moments in the game and it was real fun to play because i could sort of it's rare that you see a version of kate sith where he seems just very sincere and heartfelt um so to when those opportunities did come along i was like oh cool great another side that we haven't seen of him before i think that's what's great about about final fantasy 7 is is that it's this you know, quite dark, serious, apocalyptic story about eco-terrorism and science experiments and all this stuff that happens. But then there's like 
talking cats. Like you're a talking cat. It's ridiculous. And I I love that contrast in the game of the sort of the comedy and the serious. And I think yeah. with Kate Sith, you've really got a chance to play that up. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I would love, I've, I've said this before, I would love to know both from like a, from a, both from a character point of view and from like the gaming development point of view, so what the conversation was like when they were like, "I've I've got it. It's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be an AI fortune telling cat that wields a megaphone and dances around on this big thing called a Moogle. This is like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're on, we're on to one here. <laughs> In the same way, like his his origin within the story, I'd love to see a spin off of seeing how you know, like <laughs> everything that sort of led led to the creation of of this this bat crazy character that is that is Kate Seth. But I agree, like I love that it's I love that it's that random. And uh, you're like, yeah, cool, why not? And it's I think it's as surreal for a player as it is to some of the characters he encounters at times. Like you know, for Cloud or maybe especially Barrett is like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Very much that. <laughs> and you mentioned the sort of uh scottishisms i guess and there's a lot of that in there um which i love i actually had never i hadn't sort of clocked that kate Sith was specifically a scottish character i mean obviously in the original it's there's no voicing um yeah. so i sort of wondered like how far you wanted to or were allowed to sort of push that Scottish element, you know, was there an element of improvisation at all or was it all very scripted that that's what they wanted? So in fairness to like all credit to uh, Ryan, Ben and the rest of the team that were um, doing the translation, a lot of that stuff was already in there. They were really, really trying to, um, they were really trying to sort of do a good bit of research and find things that like find things that would make the character more authentic and so at times actually a lot of it is written uh, like a lot of the script lines were written uh dialectually so it's so to speak and so like uh like i wouldn't uh, like i wouldn't do that or whatever and you'd have like the wouldn't would be written in mm. there was there was times when actually i would make a call on reining it back so it didn't it didn't all become like massively overplayed as a you know tripping into like okay the new kind of territory <laughs> um but there were times there were some times when i saw a phrase and i was like i don't know where you've got that i've never heard of it not to say it doesn't exist but it may be really niche and they would say well if all right well, let's let's leave it if you've not heard of it then let's let's not complicate things but then sometimes they would ask me for alternates and so there was times that i might throw in a phrase um i think there were some that were that came from like an improvised take uh but there was a lot of them that were that were in there already like uh i think scunner was definitely one that was that was in there already and i was like man you've like it, it was it was a really pleasant surprise to me because it wasn't just the complete cliche sort of scottish writing that i would expect or have come across in the past from film scripts and stuff that they've written in there They've written in their token Scottish character, and, and here we go. And we're What's back to Scunner. Then I don't know Scunner. <laughs> Scunner's like if you, you know, I, I would. Uh, you could hear as a phrase like, "Are oh, you? Yeah, 
it's, it works in different ways. You can like, are you a scunner? Like if you've like, hit, like caught yourself in something or you could call someone that's just been a little bit of a wind up or being a bit of a nuisance. Like a, a mother might call their kids like, you wee scunner. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it, has a, it has a few different uses, but it's in there. I can't remember the context um, now, but it's like, I think it is something like that. It's like, oh, go away, you wee, wee scunner. Come on. And uh, listen out for that now. Yeah, I need to go back and listen. And... <laughs> so yeah, it was I had like huge praise for for Ryan Ben and the team for trying to like find decent words that are still used within Glasgow, Edinburgh, up into the north of Scotland and stuff. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad some of them. I'm glad you heard some of them. That's that's good news. Oh, you can't miss them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. You said that there were like a couple of months between recording sessions. How? How long did it take you to get back in character or was it always there? It's kind of all, it was generally always there. I would tend to like listen back to, I would, early on in the sessions, if I had like a month off, I would maybe go back to my, my edition tapes and just listen to it again. Just remind myself of where it was sitting. But then you would always check for levels anyway. So when you went back in the studio, you would uh, they were like all right let's look at a couple of lines and i would just be sit- i would just be repeating the line just to make sure the levels were still the same on the mic so uh it was as soon as i heard that I'm like oh yeah i remember doing this line and cool yeah we're we're right back into it so i think if it was if i was playing a, if i was playing a character where i was doing a completely different accent then that would have been possibly a lot harder but it was so it was kind of like so in its own range. I thought it was kind of easy to sort of drop back into. I knew if I was if I was speaking in my normal register, I knew I wasn't there. And there were a couple mm-hmm. of times when Kirk said, yeah, just careful on that. Yeah, I think you're slipping a little bit out of Kate's voice. Um, let's give it a little bit more energy or whatever. And uh, so it's like easily done. But like within a four hour session, you're going to have your, your tired moments. Mm. <laughs> and then on top of the lines, you've also got all your sort of battled noises and grunts and all that stuff, which I guess must have been quite fun for you being a cat, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were times... <laughs> there were times when you have to figure out... We had, like, we'd have a 10-minute discussion over... Not, not so much battle noises, but, for example, sleeping noises. There'd be times when you had to record, like, 10 different versions of sleeping noises. And uh, you were like, how does he... I mean, does he does he snore like a human, or does he <laughs> does he does he like does he breathe in and then purr? And they're like, I don't know. Let's let's try. And so they're just sitting on a mic, going like, <laughs> it's like is that where we're going? Like, uh, I don't know. Let's have a more human one. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go and listen. Yeah, whenever. He's sleeping. I need, you to, need to listen. Yeah, I need to listen. Yeah. There are there are lots of really nice little moments, like just dotted in where it's not even you know uh, a sort of acted scene. It's just little bits here and there. Like I think there's bits where Kate is singing either the victory fanfare or the chocobo theme, going meow oh, yeah. meow meow meow, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like doing little bits like that, which is really fun. Yeah, they did. They, they, I remember when that came up, and they were like, "Do you know? Do you know the, the theme tune?" I was like, oh, "I don't think I do." And it's weirdly like really specific notes when you listen to it properly. I'm like, "This tune is actually bizarrely intricate." I'm like, "Do I need to get this 
bang on on pitch. He's like, nah, you can just muck around with it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's been cocky at this point. You can just sort of run with it. But the 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 fighting actions, sometimes they were really fun, and other times you've got a full day where you're just looking at this Excel spreadsheet and it just says punch react one, punch react two, punch react three, uh, hit react. 27 and all in different variations of how hard you've been hit or how healthy or beaten up you are in a fight and it's like doing sort of like three hours of just going like uh, 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 uh. the challenge is making them all varied um mm. you think they're all varied and then you listen back to them and you think okay cool i think we've got a rate and then you listen back and like four of them are pretty much exactly the same mm. And uh, you're like, all right, so how, like, what other noises could he make in getting chopped, getting hit or whatever? And you, I, it's really hard listening to the Japanese on that one because you still need to keep it to the time frames. Some of them, they're really, really short, but some are so specific sounds to Japanese and to try and copy them would make no sense. Mm. And you don't want to fall into the trap of every sound just being like a generic, or whatever. You, you want to actually find, find sounds that feel more realistic or grounded within the fight that you're in. Um, and then like just jumping sort of movements and like how high are we jumping so there's jumps that are like got a lot of effort and then there's ones that are just a hop and you're literally just going okay cool should we take a break well, yeah, right. <laughs> and then i guess through that you've got you've got your sort of uh, performance directors and then you've got the japanese directors as well so how is that in terms of feedback and sort of navigating who you're listening to i mean i so i mean i never heard i mean luckily i never uh there was never anything that not that i knew of i don't know there was never anything that came back from the japanese side of things if there was any to say that they weren't happy with the way things were going um so i only ever got there were sometimes we had we had to re, redo stuff either for a, a timing thing or there'd been a script change but i only ever spoke with uh, kirk the director and then ryan and ben who are both american but obviously fluent in japanese and were there to uh if if lines had to be if lines had to be changed or we had to if we were struggling to fit a line in then they would definitely be the the voice of authority on that because they're the ones that have got the responsibility of making sure that the the translations add up or you're being faithful to the Japanese and often Kirk would would give um complete he would he would pass over to Ryan or Ben and say what's you know what's your preference um you would always do like an a b and a c take and uh, and then Sometimes they're like both on the same page. Sometimes Ryan would say, I, mean, I think I think I think B worked better for me. And often Kirk would say, Yeah, okay, let's let's go with let's go with B. Or we would redo them. But so I never I never heard like my only ports of contact in the entire thing were just director and and the script editors. Um and I guess like uh if if there were problems, they would obviously have had would have would have been raised. Um, but I seemed to come back, and everyone seemed to be happy with with what was going on, which was lovely, considering it was my first kind of experience into this. And just to know that everyone seems happy 
You're like, cool, great. And it sort of gives you more confidence to play and sort of make choices knowing that you're on the same wavelength and the same page as everyone else. Have you yeah. ever been to Japan? How's your Japanese gonna pick oh, up no, any my phrases? Japanese, my Japanese is woeful. I would love to go to Japan. Um uh, I mean it's have you ever been? Have either of you? No, no that's we're like, both desperate yeah. to go. <laughs> it's like next on the big holiday list, you know. Yeah. It's, it's more been, than a, a quick weekend away, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And then anyone that's any of my friends that have been there say it's fascinating because it kind of feels like you've landed in a completely different world. Um, so yeah, I would, I would absolutely, I'd love to go to Japan, and I mean it'd be amazing if I could meet like either Ryan, if like Ryan who's out there and have someone that was sort of local, um, because I think like anywhere that makes like such a difference to kind of actually rather than just going through the tourist route of of tokyo or whatever um i'd love i'd love to go i think it's the culture i've got an uncle who's completely obsessed with japanese culture and he's been a few times and it does sound like a like a fascinating place with incredible imaginations i had heard that the the actor playing my uh I think the actor that, that voices Kate Sith, whose name is escaping me now, uh, in Japan is is huge. Like is mm. sort of a, like a movie star in their own right. I think voice actors in Japan, from what I've been told, kind of have some of them have like celebrity status in the same way that we would reference Tom Cruise or something mm. like that. Um, which is kind of incredible and says a lot to I think their culture of of gaming and and anime and yeah that's. You're right, because I was thinking, yeah, the Yakuza games, like the base. Oh, I think it was Judgment. Um, they've had, well, the initial, because I think one of the celebrities was caught doing something or accused of something. and But he was like a big celebrity in Japan. And yeah, they I think they delayed the game coming out mm. um, because, because of it. But because, yeah, he's this big star and he was in the news. And yeah, it's definitely, you're right. There are lots of kind of voice actors over there that are, massive but i think they also do a lot of tv as well don't they some maybe so yeah so that's that's i'm not sure i'm not sure if they're just massive celebrities because they do both or if there are some that are just known for their voices and are sort of as big as george Clooney over here or whatever mm. um but yeah it's it's on the list if i ever got the opportunity to go to japan i'd be there in a heartbeat yeah <laughs> i guess that would be interesting to meet the sort of japanese voice mm. of kate sith and I guess compare notes, but also you can be like, "Well, I'm the voice of Kate Sith," and over there they were like, "Well, no, you're not. It's it's this guy." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, like I, I, um, I would happily. Get, I think that the guy that the the guy that recorded it and has obviously sort of you know created the role and was obviously the the probably the Ben was the Ben version of the person that was setting the pace and stuff. You know. Uh, Complete full credit to him, and it's I. I was ob- like, I was undoubtedly probably influenced by him. Not that I'm kind of copying his intonation, but like the energy that's set there and the and the character. Even though you don't necessarily understand anything that's being said when you hear the Japanese, you can still you can still get a sense of the of the tone of what's going on, which is kind of incredible and a real real skill if you're dealing in a completely different language and kind of can still get a, a little bit of context um but um, yeah I, i'd be fascinated to to meet him and i think he's i remember listening to it thinking this guy is even though i don't understand the language you can tell he clearly knows what he's doing <laughs> it's an amazing amazing talent as they all are like 
Um, I'm sure they. I'm sure everyone was on their absolute A game recording in Japan. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. So has all this put you off, or are you are you keen to do more gaming roles now that you've got this under your belt? I would. It's been such an amazing door to that's been open for me, and I've just become more fascinated about the world. I would. I would love to do more gaming. I had a really fun experience doing it, and I know that that comes down to the team you're working with. Um, and I had an absolute ball working with those guys. Um, but it was. I would. I would love to do it, and it's made me more. It's made me way more interested in kind of the world of gaming. Not that I never had an appreciation for it. I always did, but just my appreciation for it is undoubtedly grown. Um, just because I've started to see the depth of the, the storylines and stuff like that. And also, you, you even you would create, you would love to get parts like these in acting for TV and film or in theatre as well. You know, if if every character had as much um, depth as and, and as much thoughts and care and consideration put in as, as Kate Seth, you're like, amazing but <laughs> you know <laughs> as weird as that sounds for the for the character that everyone seems to think i don't know what the deal is with this character <laughs> he's like <laughs> the really confusing character that no one can really get a hold of but i i feel like the standard of the standard of games now and it's probably been like this for a long time and i just haven't been aware of it there's always been this kind of uh so much thought and consideration put into so many of these characters. Even when I think back now to when I was playing Tekken, and I used to love watching the like the the backstory clips that would that yeah. you would came when you finished a finished a level or you completed everything with one some which whatever. I never character. did that. I was too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was like always my favorite bit when you could see their origin story. Yeah, and so the culture is clearly already always been there i think now it's just kind of coming more into the into the mainstream um especially and like undoubtedly have because you've you're starting to see major studios pick the properties up for for tv and film because they're so well written um so i would love to i would love to do more for for various reasons that i i enjoy doing it as as a thing as, as a way of sort of like working a craft i have real fun doing it and being in studio and then the, the stories are are just incredible and also especially being uh, Scottish I've always been really really proud of Scotland's gaming yeah GTA yeah I know yeah loads you know yeah, just... so many games that have actually come out not loads that might, people might not even realise kind of mm -hmm. came from Scotland and so uh I would love if kind of there was more awareness about it and people could sort of celebrate the art form more as an art rather than this thing that just some people, you know, some people do, um, which I think to a certain side side of society has, has been the case. But then you look into it and you think, no, this is the craft and this is like monumental and this is incredible. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would love to do more games. Yeah. And you said earlier, like, yeah, you, think it's probably been going like this for a while, but actually I think it's only like the last generation or two of consoles where people have just been like expecting everything to be fully voiced. Because um, yeah, we're playing some old RPGs and not even old ones, but ones that came out in like the PS3 era, which I know is kind of old now, but 
like and it would be only the very the absolutely main dialogue where people are talking even in like Final Fantasy 14 it's just various cutscenes that are voiced and 90% of the text in that is not yeah yeah um, yeah I think we've hit a point now in, in gaming where so much of it is voiced that that's now bringing in so many actors and then people are, you know, actors are becoming a lot more well-known now for for working in games and it's not dismissed like it was. Yeah. Um, you know, with as I guess you've met, you know, other Final Fantasy voice actors and other voice yeah, actors in yeah. general and um, seeing the kind of the fandom and the celebration of your work, which has exploded in the last few years. Huge. We are... Where do you see, like, from a, like, in a in a broader sense, and this is maybe a massive question, but where do you see the world of gaming going? If you could think, all right, in 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 five, six, or in, let's say ten years, um, gaming is going to be developed to this. Like, how do you how do you see how do you see games changing, or how do you see the interaction with games changing? Maybe on a game playing level as well as as an audience or mainstream level with i guess with the rise of technology with the fact that yeah. if you look back at playstation one and we never had the internet in the same way as we do now and i'm like i assume like internet is in, is integrated into gameplay in lots of ways mm. so like well, yeah where do you see the world of gaming going i think one of the one of the big things with gaming, it's I think it's a hugely exciting thing, but it's also potentially a problem, is just how much work goes into them and how intricate they are and how difficult they are and to develop and how expensive they are to develop. Yeah. You know, now with saying, you know, everything is voiced, that means that you've got to have actors coming in and motion capping everything and, and all the voice work that goes into it. So there is just so much work there that it becomes really expensive. And right. so I think we're sort of seeing, on the one hand, you're seeing these massive projects like Rebirth and, other, and others that have presumably a lot of money behind them um, to make these huge productions. But they're also becoming sort of fewer and far between, I think, because they just take so much time and effort to put together in so many years that technology has already sort of superseded what what's being worked on because it takes so long like final fantasy was it seven eight and nine came out like just on consecutive years or they came out over just the space of a handful Pretty of close, years yeah it was whereas this is now brand new but also like, yeah, when... i mean this is the second game in a trilogy and it's been four years between mm, them yeah. so i don't know how i mean you tell us maybe the next <laughs> one's a year away but yeah. uh, you can know you, <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case then I think I've been recast the fact that it becomes more and more expensive and a bigger thing it does like bring to the front why some companies might be using things like AI mm. um, to make like, things cheaper for them um, and yeah I mean that's obviously a big thing to talk about especially in terms of voice acting and stuff because if they're using yeah. that then it's affects the industry really but in a really bad way yeah they're going to be looking for shortcuts to save money because it's just mm. so expensive and i think we're starting to see sort of lower budget less complex games actually doing really well we've seen quite a few of those this year yeah because people don't um, take as many risks mm. yeah and so, so yeah that's that was a question i was going to ask so are we starting to see are we starting to see something that kind of looks like you've got your Marvel blockbusters and then you've got a kind of an independent yeah. sort of move, uh, an independent movie sector which is was a lot less and but are, but people are are people still 
are people still enjoying playing those games that might look a little bit more simple or look as if they've got less money ploughed into them like your Final Fantasies but so do you, so do you think that's that is going to stick around like that I mean was is it is the is the case of like having like indep- independent games for more of a for one of a better term well smaller budget games has that always been a thing or do you think that's something that's been developed since other companies have just been swept away with the cost of making their games way more expensive I think the last 15 to 20 years I think has been sort of the rise or more of a rise of indie developers um, right. and I think that is in reaction to these bigger budget things just just getting higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Right, and I right. think what we're seeing now is just that gaming is so big. You know, mm. com- as everyone always compares it to films and music and TV and everything else, gaming is so big, but it's also so, so, so broad. Um, yeah. You know, when people... And, and that's what's frustrating when people dismiss gaming because they're like, oh, it's just teenagers in their bedroom, like, sitting playing games all day. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Like, there is such a range of types of video games and levels of video games. You know, someone who is sat on the tube playing a mobile puzzle game on their phone is just as legitimate as someone who wants to play the next Final Fantasy or whatever else. Um, So I think there's just a huge range of different games. It's becoming really broad. There are way more opportunities for actors, especially. There are way more opportunities of like all these different types of projects to get involved in. So I think it's just becoming broader and broader. And maybe at some point it's going to kind of implode back on itself when people are like, oh, this is becoming too big budget wise and we can't do that. Um, But the reaction to that is then, okay, well, let's do something that is pixel art that's replicating the games from the 90s um, because people want that style and want to do something a bit simpler. Um, And even some of these big companies are going a bit smaller, like the Prince of Persia, that Ubisoft brought out a new Prince of Persia game that's the side scroller that costs less than the like the standard game. I don't think it had any microtransactions in it and they pushed it out and it was really well received. So like they do, they are testing out there, but the problem is if they have a massive, massive game that's costing them tons, you know, like the Marvel-esque type of a game, yeah. a lot of them are looking like, oh, how can we make the most money from this? And then they start adding things like microtransactions and season passes and like it's such then becomes a bit of a commitment and, pe- and I think people are starting to be like, oh, I just want to play an indie game that I can play for 10 hours and then it's done and I get a really cool experience. Or it's the case that those big budget games are just a bit stifled creatively. So you end up getting lots and lots of sequels or it's uh, maybe a new world, but actually gameplay is kind of very similar to so many others that they're like, well, people will enjoy that because they've enjoyed XYZ. So therefore we're going to recoup our money that we've spent millions on. That's the Fortnite effect. And that's when indie games come underneath and say, well, actually... We've got a smaller budget, but we've done something completely random and really creative that yeah. maybe fewer people are going to buy into, but it starts to sort of change things and revolutionize things a bit more. And has te- do you think technology has become more accessible in, to, to, in, a, in, a, in a better way where we can... More games are being developed because technology is more accessible if that makes sense definitely like for developers and development kits and graphics engines and all of that absolutely Mm. that's much more widely available than it was previously so yeah that then allows other people with fewer budgets to be more creative um but then there's still that element of are people going to start taking shortcuts as technology improves and then we get back to the ai thing Um, yeah yeah but so, there's also yeah. like, yeah, I was looking at, somebody was talking about how AI could be used. And one of them was, literally what we were talking about earlier is using AI to 
change the like the mouth feature so that when for example your or a character is doing for, there's a game for example that's in ja voice in japanese but also in english ai has worked and like can move the voice can move the face depending like the on yeah the lip that's what i'm looking for the lip syncing <laughs> for the right language kind of is just naturally done so it's not replacing anyone's jobs and it can make it a bit easier and, and a bit more realistic for everybody which i th I feel like that'd be fine, but yeah, when they start using fake AI voices to voice characters, I think that's where a lot of people do have problems with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't, I don't think the, I don't think we've seen the end of, um, into, from an acting point of view. Not that I'm part of the, I wasn't part of the the SAG strikes this time round, but obviously that was much more studio focused and to the AI of of that we used in filmmaking. Mm. I do feel that there's, I, I think there's a battle to be had. And I think it has happened in the past of, of video gaming contracts. Um, but the, I think those studios and the gaming companies wield quite a lot of power. Um, and it's, it's been a hard, hard fight, but it's, a, it's something that's going to, inevitably as you say we're going to sort of i think it's going to come a clash again yeah um, i think it's over because of this uh as as an actor i mean as we've said you know this was your first role in games but have you seen maybe over the past few years that there are more and more acting roles in games coming up that are being auditioned for as opposed to film and tv yeah i mean not that i was not maybe from the sense of me getting put up for them um mm. but even just in just the fact that it's, it's part of conversation within the within like a, a mainstream chat between actors where i think maybe 10 15 years ago you might it would be really really interesting if you were finding someone that was made a lot of their career out of voicing video games and then you were working with them on stage whereas i think now it's a lot more I wouldn't bat an eyelid on it at all, and I kind of uh, it's yeah, it's the conversations. I just have more conversations about it, and I seem seem to hear more of my friends. Not necessarily big parts, but there's you know often someone will go in recording three or four different characters, different accents, or just doing crowd background stuff for for ages, which is a can be a tough day at the office. You're just sort of screaming into a microphone doing battle noises for, you know, for a Game of Thrones-esque type game for mm. four hours and just sort of grunting your way into submission. Yeah. <laughs> you can't speak for a week, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, but yeah, so I think it's becoming more into the mainstream. I've not, I don't have much to compare it to because it's only in the last few years through my voice agent that I've started to see additions come through for the odd game or the odd animation series and stuff. Um, I, I mean, I'm interested. I don't necessarily get them through my acting agent. I know that some of, I've got some friends that I think do get voiceover roles, submissions through acting agents, um, but, or through acting agents for TV, film, and theatre. But I think they tend to be in bigger studios, which again, I think lends to a fact where some of these bigger studios, some of these bigger games will eventually, if they haven't already, slip into the same places as the massive, massive agencies, especially in America, where kind of your CAAs and your big, big agencies are essentially acting like, almost like production houses in their own right. Mm. Uh, 
and then you find that all of the actors being cast are through that one agency that's kind of linked up with the gaming studio. I wouldn't be surprised if that starts to happen. But yeah, um, it's. I think actors are getting more of an opportunity to kind of, it's become less niche, I think, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, possibly a shame. I'm sure there's loads of amazing voice actors out there that are thinking, man, all these blooming TV actors that are coming in and sort of <laughs> taking jobs, especially when now there's become a thing where you've got a famous voice recording a game or whatever and, and that sort of thing, where I'm sure there's lots of actors that are famous voice actors in their own right or famous in their field. Um, you could probably name more than me, I'm guessing, but... I don't know, I don't know about that. Some big ones, yeah. <laughs> I just remember like, remember when Call of Duty had... What's his name? The one that... Uh, Got into trouble. What's his name? The guy from House of Cards. Oh, um, what Spacey? Yeah, he's yes. he's, he's like really? his likeness, his voice is like the villain in a Call of Duty game. It's, mm. Oh my god! Yeah. They, there's money there in Call of Duty. I can, yeah, and then they <laughs> had not, uh, not and they had Jon Snow. I've forgotten at Game of Thrones. Oh, Addington. Um, yes. Yeah. Call of Duty as well. Yeah. So. This is something I've heard more of, like celebrities doing uh, doing a game, um, and probably for different reasons. Maybe the massive fan of the game, or it's just become a cool thing to do and opens you up to another audience. Or if it's a younger game, maybe they've got kids mm. who you know, and so they're like, you know, that I think that's happening more in animation where you have a star that's rocking up in this bizarre, like five year old's kids show because. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to impress their daughter. I was quite surprised in Final Fantasy XIV when, because like one of the characters, main characters in there is voiced by Jonathan Bailey, who, oh, really? like, yeah, I think when he first voiced it, maybe he wasn't a big, I don't know. But, like, yeah, he's gone along with it. He's still doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, even if you were to, I mean, it's each to their own, but if I'd say even if you were to hit sort of, go off and even sort of uh, Johnny Bailey's kind of trajectory. I don't see why he wouldn't want to just kind of like be part of that franchise. Cause it's also, it's, it's something that can actually sit alongside your other work. And oddly the worlds kind of don't seem to collide in a, in a detrimenting way in, in the same way. Uh, obviously gamers can maybe recognize you from something they've seen you in, if that's the case, but, it's you know it's not like TV and film casting directors are watching your video game performance and judging you off that, and so it's kind of this really nice separate world um, that kind of that exists. And I, I, a few actors have said this with regards to conventions, where you can you go there, you're in this world where everyone kind of is you know there to chat about your character and everyone sort of knows your character's name is really really excited and then you leave and you're kind of back into sort of the anonymity of of normal life yeah and so it is this kind of bizarre sometimes i think it feels like a weird parallel universe where you know you can (laughs) did you feel that at the pub quiz because i saw you were getting like photos and were you signing things yeah, there was a few people that came up. I think a few people that were looking for hadn't had ScoopaCon um, tickets or whatever coming up or had missed, missed the opportunity and and uh, were coming up to say that, that they were so excited. There was a there was a couple of couple of guys. Um, they weren't asking for for autographs or anything. But these two young Scottish guys, really nice guys, who were just kind of coming up to say how excited they were that 
a proper Scottish voice was like in Final Fantasy and how and they were asking me like where the character was meant to be from because from the tiny bits of the trailer they were thinking oh he sounds more sounds more East Coast or it's like oh, I think he's from Aberdeen I think he's from Edinburgh da, 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 and so <laughs> asking me like if I'd based him on a certain place but so that's kind of nice you know oh no got, the answer now what did uh... <laughs> I, I kind of I deliberately tried I, I didn't try to fix it in one place. So again, from a Scottish point of view of not trying to like lock it into saying he's, you know, Kate Seth is Glaswegian through and through or like, no, 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 Kate Seth is definitely an East Coast cat. I think the the character, that the way they've set up the character before, the actor that had done the character before, there were certain sounds in that that were kind of drifting slightly more into what I would maybe consider East Coast. And so I kind of held on to that, uh, held on to that a bit, considering they were wanting to stay in that place. But I think it, I kind of, I, I allowed it to sweep, sort of, you know, sort of like sweep from coast to coast and kind of make it its own. Because it's, you know, it's not like we're dealing in a world where um, the the same countries necessarily exist in this in the same kind of manner as you know, no one's kind of referencing. Aberdeen in Final Fantasy or, or or anything like that. So I had I didn't have the pressure to sort of say, yeah, he's going to be from Kilmarnock or whatever. Um, so, but it'd be interesting to I can't remember which lines kind of. There's probably more lines that sounds more East Coast, and more lines that will sounds more West Coast, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a a movable feast within within that I mean there was his voice I'm not saying it sort of like changed that changed the voice around each time but I just wasn't trying to sort of like nail it into one specific place that I would know of um the tricky thing was you know I was trusting Kirk and they, they were all happy but there was a weird thing where because I was the Scottish accent I sometimes would they would kind of look to me and I was the kind of the, the authority in the room to an extent yeah. mm. which is uh, an odd pressure that I didn't sort of necessarily want <laughs> yeah there's no outside. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like I'm here to collaborate, but don't give me the the final, the final answer. And um, luckily, I had my like my guy there who was working in the studio, and the, most of them, the, the engineers on my side were Scottish. But um, but suddenly it was that was a, a weight of responsibility that I didn't necessarily want. <laughs> so I guess after all this, are you excited to get back? Because obviously there is a third game. Whenever that you know, will be recorded. Are you excited to get back into the role? I point? mean, I would, uh, yeah, if, if that, if, 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 when that comes my way, I would, I would absolutely love to do it. Um, I'm my, my wife is, she's American. And so we kind of split our time now between LA and Glasgow. So, I, I mean, I think if, uh, if, Ryan and Ben, the script editors in Tokyo, had any say in it, they would much more be wanting me to record in, mm. <laughs> in LA. Yeah, rather. a bit closer. <laughs> they weren't dealing with a time difference of, you know, being up at sort of midnight through to 4am 4, 4 for a session with me you know, <laughs> at sort of, you know, in the afternoon. Mm. Um, but uh, absolutely, if, it, if and when it sort of, if it, if it develops and, and it can still be involved, I, I can't the experience has been so amazing and continues to be partly now because the fans have been so generous and great and just sort of as I said before everyone has seems to have such a or everyone I've come across seems to have such an enthusiastic and positive welcoming love of the game I think it's you know 
as I said, like with Johnny Bailey, I don't know why he wouldn't want to be part of the world mm-hmm. of it because it's 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 amazing. Like it's it's such a great game and such an amazing project to be. I can't sort of realise how lucky I am to have landed such an amazing sort of gaming experience to sort of dive into head first. Mm. <laughs> Do you feel like you're part of not just the Final Fantasy um, like fan family, but also the Final Fantasy voice acting family? Because you were at the Final Fantasy Union and. We were introduced to you by Peter Bramhill, who's like I say, thank credit in Final Fantasy fourteen. Did you get on with like a lot of the voice actors that night? Are you? Yeah, yeah. I've started to like Peter and I are, are now more in touch with Karina as well, who was there, and um, and they've been kind of giving me a couple of tips and just things to expect and to and sort of how to how you deal with sort of the release of a game and, and what to expect from that sense. Um, and I would love to. I would love to like meet some more of the actors, but it's that weird thing again where you said before for those guys, it took however many years after and one convention or whatever for them mm-hmm. to all actually sort of get together and meet, um, to to sort of feel like like oh yeah you're a unit or you're doing a, a an online streaming thing together or whatever. So it would I would love to you know maybe from an LA if if people are around I'd love to sort of like meet the actors again and chat to more of the actors and but it is yeah i feel like everyone i've met so far clearly loves you know i've loved the roles they've had i've loved being part of it continue to love to be part of it and uh it's is yeah it's a it's a lovely family to be part of i'm sure it's a family that is much 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 bigger than than i anticipate when i think of the actual how many games have been developed now even just the ones that have been developed with with actors um and people voicing the characters like there's loads as i soon found out when i went <laughs> <Yeah>. to that <laughs> of course <laughs> what are we up to now is up to 19 so what? 19 games in total or oh the of like final fantasy yeah like oh, 15 well there's 16 Main was, was, was the the latest main one, but there are so many spin-offs. Yeah, it's like, probably got about forty or fifty. Yeah, God, yeah. So like talking yeah. about the spin-offs as well, and that's more. In, that's something I've been interested in now. Seeing, listening to actors talk, and hearing their characters sort of pop up in mm. in a spin-off game or whatever, you know, or some like like that sort of yeah. thing that they've been in Final Fantasy, whatever, and then they're in. They, they oh the character's been written into this uh so the world just seems to grow and grow and grow yeah no, quite a few of the voice actors as well have started like streaming on twitch they've been playing the game maybe the game that they're actually in have you ever been tempted by that it's, it's funny i was thinking about this like do i because mm. <laughs> that's when i treat myself to a ps5 <laughs> i think so <laughs> I, think, I, I think i would like to i would i would uh, now that it's kind of been done, I think I would like to see it in retrospect, and especially if I, if if I'm lucky enough to go back to another game, um, that having kind of gameplay experience, I think can only uh, make you, your own craft richer. Um, I would also, though, I think I'm more curious to watch people watch people's gameplay who can play the game really really well and oh don't look at mine then sorry <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say i've got a let's play coming out in fact it'll be out the same day pretty much as this podcast but uh yeah if you're wanting good gameplay don't don't <laughs> he's laughing because he knows 
<laughs> I don't watch bad gameplay as well, but the thing is, I feel if I want to watch bad gameplay, I can just play it myself. Yeah, not bad gameplay. I don't know. That's Maybe fair. I'll have a knack for it. But I would. I think I'd like to watch some people. Uh, like I'd like to play it, and I'd also like to watch some people playing it just to see kind of people who really, really live and breathe this game and listen to them talk about it. I remember the first time I discovered the notion of of YouTubers becoming famous from people just watching them play a video game mm. and i think from an outsider's point of view when you first hear that you can think that sounds ridiculous mm. how the hell is someone making money off that now i completely appreciate it mm. yeah absolutely <laughs> like, oh, fair play who's like your your hours and hours of game playing have, have paid off and yeah. why shouldn't you commentate on on the game as it goes because there's so much to talk about it's like going but, over to a friend's house and they're playing a game but they're also really entertaining at the same time and you're just mm. hanging out and watching them play and chilling and chatting it's yeah it's just a yeah like a social thing although like yeah there's just so many different types as well you can be watching like a, an expert whiz through the game as quickly as possible or they're doing some strategies you've never thought of there's just yeah so many different types do you is there anyone in particular you follow do you find you watch people on gameplay or is it um, i tend to watch it in a social way like I've, i'll meet them i'll know them or i've like been introduced to them as friends of friends so it's more of like a community um mm. having them on and like having them on in the background when i'm working is just yeah that's like the it's just kind of a, a cozy thing to have on in the background it's like you know morning tv this morning it's like you know <laughs> not holly and phil anymore but uh having them on just in the background doing what they're doing it's just a comforting like background noise and you know when i was during the pandemic i think i was background noise for quite a few people and <laughs> you were <laughs> i'm very happy to be background noise <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's cool. I love the notion that is instead of sort of like putting on Radio 4 in the morning, you sort of switch something on and you're just like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bit of Call of Duty <laughs> Warzone. Like Balls Deep in Call of Duty or something like that. And he's like, ah, the soothing sounds of war in the morning. <laughs> I love the smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love the sound of war in the morning. There you go. There you go. Call of Duty. A terrorist bunker and now we're going to go to... <laughs> yeah, I got to say, my... People I tend to watch tend to be more chilled, and like one of the one of the most successful games actually we were saying earlier is um, like Stardew Valley, which was designed created by pretty much one guy, um, and just the simplicity of that, and the more and the way to just kind of completely be completely different and completely separate separate from these AAA games that are costing so much money, and just yeah. having a cute little game that you can relax with. It doesn't need to be visually stunning, but it's just a, a game from someone's heart. I think that is, that's a real appeal. People respond to that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's. I mean, coming back to what you were saying before about the 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 growth of or the sector of indie games, this seems like a really. I would be really really fascinated to kind of look more into that and just seeing what things feel like at, at a different level, where clearly the love is the love is still going to be there and the narrative and the passion for creating the game is still going to be there and i'm sure sort of for the actors it would still be a really really enjoyable experience as well kind of <clears throat> it's amazing to be part of something which has obviously got so much money and so much marketing behind it and the the, the, the quality of the game is so incredible and so rich but equally i can imagine a, a really really kind of simple game being just as uh satisfying to to act in and be part of and especially if you're play, again if you're playing the characters that are well written yeah what it always i think it's always what it comes down to regardless of how much money like the the project's got behind it if it's well written like that 
always rises to the top. If the dialogue's there, if the story structure's there, if the characters are there, like that's kind of what wins through. I think you look back when Final Fantasy that didn't necessarily have all the money it's got now. Granted, it always had certain size of prestige, but as Genesis are incredible characters with an incredible story and an incredible world. Um, so it's built off amazingly strong foundations, you know, which I think is where its strength, in my opinion, where its strength really, really lies. Um, albeit a blockbuster, it's a blockbuster with good, great writing behind it, rather than just being a money-pumped um, extravaganza with no substance. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> well, if you're if you're getting yourself a PS5 soon, then uh, you can come back to us for some recommendations. And yeah, we can happily. Let you know what you should oh, be playing. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> Maybe the death of my relationship with my wife, and she's like, "No, we can't." <laughs> <laughs> well, things we were who um, we were talking to uh, from Baldur's Gate Three. Um, Deborah Wild. Deborah Wild, who said on the podcast, like, "Oh, I really would like a PS5." Two days later, after us, we posted it on TikTok, got a PS5 sent. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Not so, that we have any sway or anything. but yeah, oh. No, we have no sway. But Paul, would you like a PS5? <laughs> I, would, I mean, look, if anyone is willing to sort of like give me a PS5 so I can really, really experience the world of Final Fantasy in a way never before, then I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, make gone. it happen, yeah. folks. Make it happen. We'll put this on yeah, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just pin it out there into the cosmos. <laughs> brilliant so to wrap up then um what do you want fans to take away from your performance as kate sith uh, i think i hope that um more than anything else i really hope that i do the character justice for um for everyone especially the people that have had experience playing the game before i know this isn't a character that's not necessarily had the same kind of development um but you know in terms of in terms of voice creation in terms of story structure and being in gameplay but he's he's been a part of some some players lives and some gamers lives for for a long long time even if it's just just as a side character and so i i really just hope i can sort of uh, my interpretation does it justice and that it can sort of allow the character to grow in their imaginations um, more than restrict it. <clears throat> I think one of the great things about Final Fantasy is, is it leaves questions open for people to have their own interpretation and for um, people to see the characters in their own way, to relate to some characters more than others, which is great. I know that kind of Kate Sith is a bit, is a bit of a divisive character where some people really, really enjoy him. Other people find him just kind of odd and annoying. And I'm like, cool, fine. <laughs> You're never going to win them all. But I, I would just, I, for those that kind of have, have a soft spot for him, I really hope that I can just sort of, uh, or the way we've, the way we've created him and expanded his character um, adds to their, experience and makes the game richer for them i think that's really what i can hope for i will say that you've achieved that from playing it i'll like, make sure I you're think... in my party what when i get it? to you okay <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like you say, <laughs> as you say like i think some people are, are less keen on kate Seth, you know just in comparison to tifa and Aerith and cloud and you know the bigger characters and i think you know kate Seth really has some great moments in this 
um, and is a really likable, really useful party member that people will want to play as and want to include. So, yeah, I think that's that's testament to your performance. So, oh, well, thank you very much. But yeah, that's kind of, I think that's what I'd hope, uh, hope for. And just to be, of course, I just want to be like, I hope the game does justice for everyone that's had, it's been so widely anticipated and for people that have got so much love of the game. Um, I think, it could, I hope it just, yeah, expands the world for them and expands the imaginations of of every gamer out there. Um, even more so than it's already done because that can only be a good thing <laughs> for sure yeah that's perfect time to end but thank you uh, thanks so so much uh, for joining us Paul it was it was great chatting to you at the uh, Final Fantasy Union pub quiz and it's been even better chatting to you now so thank you yeah hopefully it won't be the last time I manage to catch up with you sometime when I'm when I'm next time in London definitely yeah let us know we will happily yeah. join along we'll have a drink <laughs> so much for having me guys absolute joy no thanks, for, thanks um, for joining us well Paul how can we people find you on your brand new Twitter account my, my brand new Twitter account I think what is my, my t- right my Twitter is it's just it's a case of a moving underscore line my Twitter oh, is okay. Paul underscore Tinto T-I-N-T-O I'll double check I, for you because I know remember you, you told us it, it took a while finding it and, oh uh, yeah <laughs> It's, um, no, it's oh, like actually, where I've been for the last 10 years, 10 years of the world of social media. <laughs> so I think Twitter is Paul underscore Tinto, T I N T O, and then my Instagram is at underscore Paul Tinto, all one word. Perfect. That's so, correct. Basically, <laughs> yeah, just checked. <laughs> yes, <laughs> finally. Type in Paul Tinto and you find someone talking about Kate Seth and Final Fantasy, it's going to be me. <laughs> That's so, not the other Paul Tinto. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the most common name in the world. So. Oh, yeah, Tinto. I mean, I know I used to, I lived in Spain for five years. So, Tinto, type of wine I'm going for, you know, Vino Tinto. Yeah. There you go. That's it. Although, weirdly, I was in Colombia and and Tinto in, in Colombian Spanish is a strong or is like a small black coffee. <laughs> oh. oh. So, if you ask for a Tinto, you're asking for something that's basically their version of an espresso. He's letting a bit, it comes in this tiny little cup, really, really like strong. <laughs> black coffee and uh, and so when <laughs> when I'd say that's my second name they're like Tinto no Tinto I think Tinto means you, but... I think Tinto like means ink I think so it's like yeah it's, that, that must be how like yeah ink or sort of like dark mm. it tends to have a, a connotation with dark colours like yeah ink or dark red and then in, in Spanish Spanish yeah red wine in Colombian Spanish a small black coffee well if i go to columbia i'll be very <laughs> clear that i want wine <laughs> yeah <laughs> otherwise i'll be up all night um, brilliant well ed uh, where can we find you you can find me at ed underscore nights and on eurogamer don't you have something up there as of well a week ago uh, the review yeah 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 you can read the review on eurogamer <laughs> yeah brilliant. and find me at biggest Benis anywhere everywhere and uh, if you go to swapping joysticks.com which is probably around here on the, once I've made the overlay. Uh, if you go to swappingjoystick.com, you can check out all our old videos, our old podcasts, and we've had a bunch of other interviews as well. So go and check those out too. But yeah, Paul, thank you again so much for joining. Thank you guys. Absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, good luck with the launch. Yes, best of luck. Cheers. Cheers.